we are thankful, Lord, for this opportunity, Lord, for uh, you to be, to be able to bring this brother, Lord, to be able to share your word, and that you may be uh, with us, Lord, open up our hearts and our minds, Lord, that we um, take in and let everything sink in from your word, Lord, that we may learn and understand more and get to know more of your Lord, uh, word, Lord. I just pray that you may be with our brother and uh, speak through him, Lord, and just uh, give him the courage to... Um, Go in and share through your word. We ask all these things in your name, I pray. Amen. Like you, if you have a Bible to open to Mark chapter 5, and many years ago, there was a preacher in San Francisco and he was making his way across the city, walking one Sunday morning, and there was a, a group of Salvation Army people there, about 60 of them, and they were doing a, an open-air time of preaching, and so they recognized this man, and they asked him to come up and to give his testimony, which he was very glad to do, and when he was up there, he talked about the saving work of the Lord Jesus Christ in his life and how he was trusting in uh, the death of the Lord Jesus and in a risen Savior. And when he was speaking, he noticed a man back in the crowd and uh, he pulled out a card and he was writing on it. And as the, the preacher who was giving his testimony was coming down, from giving it, this man passed him a card. And on it, he recognized the name of the man who had given him the card. He was a well-known uh, socialist. He was a well-known man who gave lectures against Christianity. And he invited the man who gave his testimony to a public debate. All expenses paid next Sunday in a particular lecture hall in San Francisco. Well, the man who gave his testimony said that uh, he would be glad to attend this debate, Christianity versus agnosticism, on Two conditions. The first is that the uh, man, the agnostic man, who was lecturing against Christianity would supply for himself a man and a woman who had lived very sinful lives. They were caught in the habit of sin and they couldn't get out of it. They'd lived for years in wretchedness. And they'd gone to this man's lectures against Christianity and in favor of agnosticism. And on hearing those lectures, their lives were transformed and changed. They were a new person they put away their old life of degradation and sin. And he said that you supply one, a man, you supply two, a woman, just two, 
and he says, I will supply to you 100 Christians who have come and heard the message of the Bible, the message of the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they have found forgiveness, they have found a changed life, they've found a new life, they've put their old life behind them and they've gone on to live a completely different life. Well, the man who was the agnostic, he had a bit of a sense of humor, so he uh, had a smile on his face and waved his hand and he was out of there. The Christian message, the message of the Bible, the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ is a message that changes lives. It's a message of a new life. And through history and even sitting here today, people can testify to the saving power of the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Mark chapter 5, we have a great miracle of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is a miracle of a woman who was taken and God, the Lord Jesus powerfully worked in her life, changing her life. And it is a picture of what the Lord Jesus Christ can do in your life and in my life. Well, if you're got your Bibles open to Mark 5:25. We read a woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years and had endured much at the hands of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was not helped at all, but rather had grown worse. After hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak. For she thought, if I just touch his garments, I will get well. Immediately the flow of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Immediately Jesus, perceiving in himself that the power proceeding from him had gone forth, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing on on you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see the woman who had done this. But the woman fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Well, when we look here in our Bibles, we see firstly the condition of this woman. And... Uh, the condition of this woman was that she was an outcast. She had this problem of bleeding for 12 years. Now, in our day, we have very good hygiene. And if we were back in the first century in the Roman world, the sewerage system was oftentimes it was open. 
In the first century, people in the Roman Empire had a 50% reach the age of 25. 5% reached 50 years of age. Now, if I was up here this morning and I had three test tubes filled with blood, one of them was good blood, perfectly healthy blood. And the other test tube was a blood that was contaminated with hepatitis. And the third test tube was blood that was contaminated with rabies. Now, I invite you to come up here and to tell me which is the good blood and which is the blood that has rabies and which is the blood that has hepatitis. And you say, I don't have a clue, I can't tell. You need to send that off to the laboratory. Well, back then they didn't have laboratories to examine it. And if I had a test tube full of blood that had rabies, you probably wouldn't come anywhere near me. Well, God had very strict regulations about blood for the health of his people. And this woman was regarded as unclean. But unclean for 12 long years. Affected all her social interactions. If she had got this before she was married, got married, she wouldn't have got married. If she had been married, it might have resulted in her divorce. She couldn't go to worship the Lord as other people. She was an outcast. She was unclean. But the second thing that we notice about this woman is in verse 26. And we read there how much she had suffered because of this illness. She had been to the doctors of the day. She'd received some pretty tough treatment. Sometimes when you read in history, and you read about particular ways and methods that doctors used back in the past, you go, I'm really glad I live in the 21st century. And this woman, everyone who has a disease or had some ailment here that hasn't been able to be treated will really identify with her because so often, isn't it, that you go from one particular person and they give you a little bit of hope, they think they know what is wrong with you and you spend your money and you're no different. And someone tells you, have I got the deal for you? And so you go to someone else. Well, this was the condition of that woman, but she spent all that she had. And she was no better. In fact, she was getting worse. Before we move on from this woman's condition, I want to point out that 
there are a lot of parallels between that woman's condition and your and I condition before God. Because we learn here that she was unclean. And uncleanness is one of the ways that the Bible talks about sin. There's a prophet in the Old Testament and he encountered the holiness of God. And what did he say? He says, woe to me, I am ruined for I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. What was it a picture of? It was a picture of sin. And you and I, before God, before a holy God, are in exactly the same position. Unclean sinners, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But we are also outcast from God, separated from him. Isaiah 59 and 2 says, Your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. Ephesians 2.1 says that outside of Christ we're dead in trespasses and sins. We don't know God. Look around you in the city of Hamilton this morning. The majority are not worshipping God. The majority don't make any claim to know God. They're sleeping in late. They're reading the weekend newspaper. They're checking the internet. They're out at the cafes having brunch, sipping lattes, out doing sports. They don't know God. But the final result of that lack of knowledge of God, the Bible tells us, is an eternal separation from God. The Bible tells us when the Lord Jesus returns that there will be an ultimate and final separation from God. Second Thessalonians 1 verse 8 and 9, for the word of the Lord, sorry, Second Thessalonians, he says, when the Lord Jesus comes, dealing out retribution to those who do not obey God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, these will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. This woman was without hope. And that describes the sinner as well. Men and women, boys and girls, in fear of death. Knowing someone close who's had a heart attack, who's died of cancer, who's died quickly in a car accident unexpectedly, and there's uncertainty. No hope fear of death, wondering what's on the other side for me. Not only 
a lack of hope, but sometimes people have been around to the spiritual physicians, the spiritual doctors as well. Maybe that's your story here today. You've been around. You've been to those places where they've told you you've got to do all this stuff. And it's given you no peace. And you don't have any joy. And maybe you've even been around churches and it's just been nothing from the Bible, maybe one verse, and then the preacher, he goes off and talks about whatever, but there's no mention of Jesus Christ, there's no mention of the cross, there's no mention of the resurrection, and you know the Bible talks about eternity, and you know you're not right. Well, this woman's condition... She was an outcast. She was without hope. But we read here also of her faith. And it was a very wonderful faith. And it says in verse 27, after hearing about Jesus. When you read the Gospels, when you read Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, you read about all the marvelous things the Lord Jesus did, how he opened the eyes of the blind how he cleansed the lepers, how he raised the dead, how he made those who were lame to walk. And here's this woman. She's had this problem for 12 long years. She's been to everyone. No one's given her any hope. She's worse, and she hears that the Lord Jesus opens the eyes of the blind. He causes the deaf to hear. He makes those who are sick, well, there's hope for me in a man like that. And maybe you're here today and you've heard about the Lord Jesus. You've heard that the Lord Jesus grants the forgiveness of sins. You've heard that the Lord Jesus grants eternal life. You've seen your friend. He or she's life has been transformed and changed. They're not the person that you, you, they used to be. They're different. They're not perfect, but they're changed. And it was Jesus who did that in his or her life. And you say, I want some of that. She heard about Jesus. That was the basis of her faith. But we also find here the boldness of her faith because in verse 27 it says this, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak. Here's a woman. She's unclean. She can't come into contact with other people. But here's a great crowd and she must get to Jesus. So she enters into the crowd, even at risk of rejection. Abuse. Maybe someone will recognize her, identify her, pull her out from the crowd, but she must get to Jesus. 
if you're to come to the Lord Jesus Christ, there can be a lot of fear sometimes in your mind and in your heart. A lot of people, maybe your friends or maybe your family, maybe your workmates, that if you come to Christ, your life will have to change. You'll have to identify with Christ and there can be a fear. Proverbs 29, 25 says, the fear of man is a snare. She came with boldness. She would get to Jesus because she wanted to be healed. And if you would have eternal life, you must come to Jesus. Don't let anyone put you off coming to the Lord Jesus. But you'll notice here that it is a very unique faith as well. Because here's this great crowd. They're pressing in on the Lord Jesus. But there's only one touch of faith. There's only one who will reach out and be healed. And many can talk about the Lord Jesus. Come along to the youth group. Come along to a meeting like this. Think Jesus is a marvelous person. He's a wonderful man. The Bible's full of good stories. But maybe there's only you that's going to reach out and touch him by faith and be cleansed and know the forgiveness of your sins and to know eternal life. But you notice also here that the object of her faith is Jesus. She believes Jesus can heal her. And the object of your faith must be Jesus. Do you know a lot of people today say, I'm a person of faith. I'm a man of faith. I'm a woman of faith. But that faith is not in the Lord Jesus. If you would be saved, and if you would have eternal life, your faith must be in Jesus Christ. Your faith must be in the one who was born 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem. The one who 2,000 years ago went to the cross and bore our sins in his body on the tree. The one who three days later was raised again from the dead. The Bible says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. John 1.12, yet to all who received him, he gave the right to become children of God. You must come through the Lord Jesus. But we find out also the reasoning of her faith. Verse 28, for she thought, if I just touch his garments, I will get well. Some people think that maybe she was acting in kind of a superstitious way, that maybe his garments gave off some kind of power, but I don't think so. This woman was unclean. That was the only way she could get to Jesus. She couldn't go in 
Just talk to the Lord Jesus. Fight through the crowd. Face rejection. She must come. She comes up behind. And that was her reasoning. Well, we see here a woman and we've seen her condition. We've seen also her faith. But we find also for this woman the result of her faith. And in verse 29, we read this. Immediately, the flow of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Immediately. Not a gradual healing, not a healing like when we recover from sickness that sometimes takes days, sometimes weeks. No, it was immediate. What no physician, what no doctor, what no one else could do, Jesus did. And he did it immediately, and she knew it. My friend, the Lord Jesus can give you immediately eternal life. He can give you right now salvation, assurance that you're going to be with him in heaven. And you say to me, how can I know that? It's based one on who he is. He's the son of God. We see his power here, but it's based on also on what he did. Back in Isaiah 53, it says this, but he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging, we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray, each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. It fell on Christ. Reminds me of a story back in the United States, back in the pilgrim days when they were crossing the United States and traveling. They used to travel, of course, with horse and cart, and it was very slow going. And one day as there was this group making their way across the prairie, they saw in the distance a big fire and it covered for miles the prairie before them and it was traveling toward them. The day before they'd passed over a river, but they couldn't get back. So one man said, let's light a fire behind us. So they lit a fire behind them. The fire burned the grass and they moved onto that burnt out piece of grass. Little girl said, are you sure the fire that's coming toward us can't touch us? And a man said to her, yes, because this has already been burned over and judgment has fallen on the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. First Peter 2 and verse 24, he himself, he and no other, 
bore our sins in his body on the tree. He paid the price. He faced the wrath. He faced the judgment. And because judgments fall on on him, if you'll receive him, you can have eternal life. Immediately. Not through the things that you try to do to please God, but through what he has done. And so you can say, Lord Jesus, please save me, and you will be saved because the work has already been done. Well, not only was she saved immediately, but the Lord drew her out of the crowd. She's a woman, she's used to living in the shadows not getting anyone's attention, but the Lord knew her. The Lord turned around. The Lord was looking for her, and the Lord desired her to come forward and tell of what the Lord had done, not for the Lord's benefit, but for her benefit, for the people's benefit. Look what faith can do. Maybe the Lord's calling you out of the crowd today. Maybe you're here and even today, the Spirit of God has been working in your heart. You realize you're a sinner and you want to come to Christ today. Why don't you call on Him and then make it known to your friends, to the leaders in this hall here? Maybe you're a teenager and you've grown up in a Christian home and you've actually come to faith in Christ, but you haven't told anyone. No one knows yet that you're saved. Maybe Jesus is calling you out of the crowd today to come forward and to confess, I'm saved. Why don't you start by telling your parents? Maybe Jesus is calling you out of the crowd today for your workplace. Oh, everybody knows here that you're a Christian, but they don't know at work. They don't know at the university. They don't know at your school. Jesus is calling you out of the crowd today. But you notice that when she came, she came with fear and trembling. You ever thought to yourself, boy, I'm in big trouble now. And you found out you weren't in any big trouble at all. Maybe she thought, I'm in big trouble now. Maybe she thought, what are the crowd going to say knowing that I came through them unclean sometimes when Jesus calls you out of the crowd there is fear and trembling but we've got to come not only did he call her out of the crowd but she confessed what a wonderful testimony to the saving power of the Lord Jesus Christ 12 years no one could help her but Jesus could and Jesus did. 
What a wonderful help to others to put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you are to testify and to confess and to speak and to tell, maybe others will know also what the Lord Jesus Christ can do for them. They can find forgiveness as well. They can find eternal life. They can find hope. But this woman also, she received such great encouragement. And in verse 34, the Lord Jesus says to her, and he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Literally, daughter, your faith has saved you. Your faith has delivered you. What a wonderful statement. Daughter, go through the New Testament. See where the Lord Jesus says, daughter, only here. She had lived a life apart, an outcast, separated. Now back in Mark chapter 3, and verse 34, he says, looking around at those who were sitting around him, he said, behold, my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Here she finds herself delivered, no longer an outcast, called by Jesus' daughter. And when you're saved, you become part of a new community, and it's wonderful. You know, my wife Marie, she's from the United States, and some people say to her sometimes, do you know, don't you ever get, get lonely and, and miss your family? Well, Skype's a very wonderful thing, and you can talk on Skype. But she says, you know, when you're a Christian, you've got family all over the world. And whether you're here in Hamilton or up in Auckland or down in the South Island, you're part of a family, part of a community that knows God, that knows what it is to be forgiven, knows what it is to know the love of the Lord Jesus Christ, knows what it is to have hope and be saved. Well, if you're not a Christian here today and maybe... The Holy Spirit has been speaking into your heart today. I just want to finish with a word from Mark chapter 8 and verse 38. Because I wonder if you're a little bit fearful of coming to Christ. Of what those other people are going to say. Of what it means to be called out of the crowd. And he says in Mark 8, 38, for whoever is ashamed is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Yes, there may be fear. You may be concerned, but consider the issue. This is eternal life. This is for everlasting would you face just a few moments of man's mocking, 
of words that make you feel bad, to know the joy of the forgiveness of sins and to know the joy of eternity in heaven. And sometimes, do you know what it is? It's just a paper tiger. Yes, there are people who will say things. There are people who will make you feel bad, but I remember the story of an evangelist 100 years ago. His name was Billy Sunday. Not Billy Graham, but Billy Sunday. And Billy Sunday was a major league uh, um, baseball player, very well known in the United States, really at the height of his baseball career, and he got saved. Do you know what? For three days, he didn't sleep at all. He was so worried about what his friends in the baseball team would say. You know what happened when he turned up? Baseball practice, they ran up to him, pat him on the back and said, good on you, Billy. Sometimes our fears are a paper tiger. They're only in our mind. Why don't you come to the Lord Jesus Christ? Come with courage, come with boldness to him and find salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ and in him alone. Know your life transformed and your life changed and the new life that he gives. Why don't you come to him today? You can come to him. The Lord Jesus is here today. He's God. He can hear you. Cry out to him. But then when you have cried out to him, make it known to someone else. Tell others the good news of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for you. And maybe he can do the same thing for them. Father in heaven, we thank you that you sent your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and we thank you that when you died, the Lord Jesus died on the cross. He paid the price for us all. We thank you for that. We thank you that it's not of our own works of righteousness, our own good deeds, our keeping of the law, but we find good news in a Savior who's died on the cross on our behalf. Father, give us courage today to come to your Son and to come to Him with boldness. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 